4: Which is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Matt Barnes is going to join us um, upcoming in the show. Longtime NBA veteran. Of course, you see him on Fox Sports 1. You hear him on Fox Sports Radio. So too will Nick Wright. Uh, Landry Shamet, who is, of course, a rookie guard who was drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers, traded around the trade deadline for Tobias Harris, part of the Tobias Harris trade, hit a big three to give the Clippers a road win, their first road win of the playoff uh, season. Uh, he'll join us in a couple hours. So too will Antonio, De- uh, Antonio Daniels, who's a former San Antonio Spur, played a bunch of teams in the N- NBA, longtime Spur. Uh, he'll join us. So we'll talk a lot of hoop today. We do have some football. The the Steelers feel like, they feel like the old married couple that's decided to start dating again, each other, dating each other again. Gonna talk some Arizona Cardinals, we're getting ready for the NFL Draft, what are we, a week and a day away from the NFL Draft, and they say they have not solidified their plans, do we believe them? Do we believe them? But let's start with, let's start with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I thought coming into the season coming in the season roster alone like man that's a team could be the second best team in the west and if things go right you know something crazy like i don't know an injury to demarcus cousins if things go right well they could very easily uh they could very easily be the best team in the west like i like their roster on paper the problem with The problem with sports is it's not played on paper. It's played inside television sets. And when you look at the Oklahoma city thunder and their recent struggles shooting the basketball, you sit there and go like, wait a second, this team can't shoot. Russell Westbrook can't shoot. Now there's a couple points that are really important. Very, very important that should be made. The first is this, um, the first is this, and this is important. We, we get caught up. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double for his third consecutive season. And what you're going to hear from people is, we'll never see that again because we've never seen it since. Never seen it before. And there's some accuracy to that. right? There, there's some accuracy to it. And I'm not sure we'll see anyone, but he still dominates the basketball. Possessions are at an all-time high. So when your usage rating is high and the possessions are up, there's a greater volume of shots, which creates kind of fictitious numbers in historical comparison for rebounds and assists and frankly for points. And oh yeah, by the way, no one's really cared that much about averaging a triple-double. Was it possible before? Will it be possible since? I'm not sure. But what matters is Russell Westbrook shooting just 29% from three for the regular season, and those numbers are not climbing. Generally, this is again generally, and there's nothing broken about how his shot looks. Generally, with a not broken shot, you're steadily going to progress to becoming a mid 30s three point shooter. As you get older, as you lose your legs, you become a better shooter. That, that's like basketball 101. But he struggled with his jump shot the entire season, and this is not a great three-point shooting team. On the other hand, they are not as bad a three-point shooting team as they have shot so far in the playoffs. Jamie Grant can't buy a bucket, and he's a 39% three-point shooter. In the regular season and in in the efforts to play small ball to match up with the Portland Trailblazers, he's missed everything. I think the pressure of the games, as well as playing on the road and playing some without Westbrook and then Paul George not making jump shots. I think it's been a culmination of things which have allowed the Thunder to fold two games to none down to the Portland Trailblazers and have such atrocious numbers shooting the basketball. Here's Russell Westbrook after falling to 0-2 against the Trailblazers. Quote, starting with myself, I've got to play better. And tonight after the loss, I'm going to take full responsibility for tonight because the way I played was unacceptable. I'm going to be better, so I'm not worried one bit. You know who else is not worried one bit? This guy, me. I'm just not. Right? like It's a law of averages, and while they're not a good three-point shooting team and they're shooting a high volume of three-point shots, they're not this bad a three-point shooting team. Does it put a ton of pressure on them? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Let's also remember that even though uh, there is no Nurkic for the Portland Trailblazers, they were the three seed for a reason. Damian Lillard is much better at home than he is on the road. And if they win two games at home and they put the pressure back on the Portland trailblazers, all you got to do is win one road game in order to steal home court advantage and win a playoff series. The, the troubling part to Westbrook and maybe the troubling part to the or- entire organization is he's not getting better as a shooter. He's not. And everyone in the sport seems to be getting better at shooting three point shots, except for Russell Westbrook. I right, Like, Brooke Lopez went from a low post player to a three-point shooter. Look at everyone else's progression. Whereas Westbrook shot 29.8% from three last year, 34.3% the previous year, 29, 29.9, 31.8, and this year, 29% from three. And he's not the lone superstar on this team. There were a lot of people who said, hey, Westbrook, he's really learned to play with others. He's really learned to play with others or he's taking the same volume of shots, right? He's taking one fewer shot per game. He's just shooting a lower percentage. Yes, he's averaging one more assist a game. Excuse me, 0.4 more assists per game, one more rebound per game. He's still a high turnover guy. He's still a high volume guy. He's still a high usage guy. He's just not improving as a shooter. You know, this is, it's like Cam Newton right? Like, oh, well, you know, Cam Newton, it's the system, it's this, it's the throws. It's like, look, Cam Newton is a below 60% completion thrower. Was his shoulder screwed up yet last year? Sure, I'll give you that. He's got shoulder problems. But you tell me the season where all of a sudden he was completing close to 70% of his passes. It's not like when you're consistently inconsistent, you're consistently inconsistent. You're not just inconsistent. Am I making sense? I'm looking at I am looking at, at Ramos and Ramos's head spinning. He's like, yes, that makes total sense. <laughs> oh, well, you know, listen, if you ever gets consistent, like, no, he's not. You know why? Because it's not like I have two years of data. Right? The prime years of Russell Westbrook are, you know, mid to low forties field goal percentage, low thirties to high twenties three point percentage. And this year, you know, the big reason he's averaging fewer points per game shooting less free throw, shooting a lower uh, free throw percentage. So he's driving a little bit less, settling a little bit more. He's averaging, he's shooting just 65% from the free throw line. He's going the opposite way. And it's, it's really look as a guy who lived in professional basketball at times without a jump shot, it's a hard way to live. And if your team isn't constructed perfectly around it, like the Milwaukee bucks are, for example, it just, you know, I mean, think about the bucks. No, they have their point, power forward is Giannis he's not a good shooter so they got a three-point shooting center to go with him the Oklahoma City Thunder they have Steven Adams not a three-point shooter not a shooter of any kind so some of it is construction of the team some of it is water will find its level and I'm sure they're going to win a game or two games here in Oklahoma City but some of it is like look Russell Westbrook kind of is what he is he ain't what he ain't and when you're consistently inconsistent, you're consistently inconsistent. It made total sense to me when I wrote it down before we started the show. And I don't know, Ramos is just the nicest guy. He's like, "Oh, that's like you nailed it, Gottlieb, nailed it." <laughs> All right, we got a great show for you today. I'm I'm really excited. Got some. I have a, an explanation, which I think is super interesting for why Donald Trump kept UCLA from hiring two basketball coaches. Pretty good, right? Speaking of UCLA, former UCLA Bruin star and NBA champion Matt Barnes joins the show. How concerned is he about a former Bruin Westbrook in his shooting getting worse, not better? Plus, he played for the Warriors when he won that championship. How different are they, and are they better or worse without Boogie Cousins? We'll dive in next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
7: At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it? Covered it. Talk to farmers. We
8: are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
4: Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Boy, Toronto uh, laid the whoop into Orlando last night. Did you guys see that one? Ooh, what a, what a complete and utter beatdown that was. I want to get into this uh, Chris Sale. Boy, Chris Sale owning how bad he stinks. He just said, I, I stink. And of course, everyone's talking about this, uh, the uh, NFL schedule being released. The Patriots are going to open up the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, New England's also going to host Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in week 14. Ooh, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. So I am, man, I'm fired up. Fired up for NFL season, for the NFL draft, and uh, can't wait. This is a year Fox Super Bowl, right? So, Music, you ever been to a Super Bowl? Have you actually attended the game before?
9: I have not attended the game. I the past several years have flown home Friday night. So about that, I actually don't mind. Um, And this year, even though the game didn't turn out to be great, would have been kind of cool to see the Rams. Even though I'm not totally a like a diehard Rams fan, just to see a team from L.A. growing up in L.A. Uh, Other than that, I mean the at home experience of watching the game is so great. Whereas you know I'd be in the press box way in the back and you know who knows what my view would be like so not totally heartbroken over it
4: mhm Ramos you ever been in the game
9: I have not
10: been in a Super Bowl game no but I have been around a couple of the games at the Rose Bowl Have you played in a game I have not played okay. in the game as well wasn't sure <laughs>
4: that was a weird it was I, I can't the, the sentence was so the sentence structure was so odd I was like <laughs> I have not played in the game like I wasn't accusing you of being
10: <laughs> That's true you you did not say that
4: in the game might be being in the game. Not sure what, um, I, I saw this yesterday. There was a, uh, it wasn't a report. It was a quote. Uh, yesterday there was a quote from Rick Barnes and the quote from Rick Barnes was basically, Hey, look, had UCLA paid the buyout, I would have been the head. I would have been the head coach of UCLA. And I thought it was fascinating. So I, I I've gotten a a couple of tips from people and they're like, do you know about the tax in California on buyouts in which a coach that would be seen as a gift, right? The coach would have to pay that buyout. I was like, really? Like, yeah, not just they had to pay the buyout. They had to pay the tax on the buyout. This is one of the things that people don't talk enough about with like athletics, which is if you want to turn it into a pay for play thing where athletes become employees. You do understand that all these benefits they get become taxable. You like really what what could does that really really mean? Well, it means a lot. For example, the actual cost of Jamie Dixon, he had an 8 million dollar buyout, 8 million dollar buyout. There's a 1.37 federal tax, right? That would make the uh the buyout $8, 11 million dollars. And there's a tax of 13.3. That's 12.3 rate plus 1% for income over $1 million would be 12.43 million. then you add in uh, Donald Trump has a 20% Trump tax gets you to $14.916 million. So people are killing UCLA. Like, man, UCLA, just pay the buyout. Just pay the buyout. It's $8 million. Pay the buyout. It's not $8 million. It's $14.916 million for an $8 million buyout in addition to the what would have to be 5 or $6 million per year plus the couple million dollars for the coach's, the coach's assistant salary. $20 million for one year. Forget about the rest of the stuff. Anyway, really interesting on that. how the new tax rates are going to affect college athletics in certain states and federal tax obviously has, uh, has spiked up as well. Matt Barnes joins us, former UCLA Bruin. Did you know about this, the, the tax stuff that has really hindered UCLA before they end up hiring Mick Cronin?
11: Yeah, no clue. I mean, I just learned a lot by listening to you. It's very interesting. I, I'm sure a lot of people, 90% of the audience, didn't know that.
4: Yeah, they're sitting there going like, ah, just pay it, pay it, pay it. Right. Um, all right, let's, let's get to what we saw last night. Charles Barkley's like, look, why are they taking so many threes? They're not a good, the Thunder are not a good three-point shooting team, but they're not terrible. Is is, is this them falling into the trap of shooting threes against Portland? Uh, is this water will find its level and eventually they'll make them? Or do you think they're a terrible team shooting, shooting terrible shots? What, what's your takeaway for the Thunder?
11: Um, I think, it, you know, the, the the you get caught up in the other team's game because they're very effective at it. And, and normally, you know, PG is knocking down shots pretty consistently. You know, Russ can get hot here and there. Um, you know, Schroeder shoots well, but it's just a little different in the playoffs. You know, the rims are a little tighter. You know, you're a little more up-chase. You know, you're a little little more frantic realizing, you know, four losses send you home. So, it's a combination I think of a lot of different things. Um, One, mainly being they're not a very good three-point shooting team. But at the same time, I mean, Portland did what they're supposed to do. You know, they won the first two games. You know, so there's no reason why OKC can't go back home feeling more comfortable with a little bit of rest and win the next two games. So, I mean, it's still anybody's
4: series. I, I I tend to agree with you, right? They always say a playoff series doesn't start or maybe it ends if right. Portland does steal a game on the road. Uh, what about the juxtaposition? Like we're watching Damian Lillard, who's a great shooter, um, and he he's playing at a ridiculously high level even without Nurkic. Whereas you're watching Russell Westbrook, who's been an NBA MVP, average a triple double, but he's he's had a, a season long shooting issue at the free throw line and. You know, usually, Matt, when guys get older, they shoot better. They lose a step, but but they gain, you know, basketball IQ and game wherewithal, but they also shoot the basketball better. It's an interesting juxtaposition watching them, too, where Lillard has outplayed him in the first two games.
11: No, there's no question. And to me, Damian Lillard is the most underrated player in the league. I mean, he's recognized and he's been an all-star the last few years, but for real, how good he really is, how well he really shoots the ball, the kind of leader he is, the way he you know he's a, a silent assassin, you don't hear too much from him, but I hear he's nothing. But, you know, he leads the team in the right direction. Um, I think he kind of floats under the radar. You know, he's out in Portland. He, You know, you don't see him on very many commercials. But he is, you know, arguably one of the best point guards in the NBA. And I think as far as Russ's is shooting goes, I just think it's one of those seasons. I mean, everything you said is right. The older you get, your body slows down. You, you know, you concentrate more on the mechanics and actually becoming a better shooter. And I just think this is one of those seasons where, it, it, it's just been a bad shooting year, and everyone's talking about it. Everyone's saying something about it, and you know, hopefully, he comes back next year uh, and he gets back to normal, at least from the free throw line. And um, you know, he, he, he's still Russell Westbrook, and I like I said, I think we get, we don't understand what we're witnessing when we watch him. You know, we're we're witnessing history. The last three years, he, he you know he created NBA history. And I think we get lost sometimes because he doesn't like to talk after games or he, you know, he, he yells at the crowd or whatever. Or he's still an amazing player.
4: No, he's an amazing player. But uh, the, the numbers, the shooting numbers, it is, it is odd that he hasn't taken kind of that next step as a shooter. Matt Barnes joining us here in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, talk about two, It's like two different guys. Kyle Lowry one Kyle, to, to Kyle Lowry two. Um, I mean, look, on paper – the the Raptors should be better this year in the playoffs than they were last year. Whatever you think of DeRozan, who's a terrific player, Kawhi's better, right? And they add Danny Green, who's got championship pedigree, and yet they they lose Game One at home to Orlando. Can we just we just that's just one bad game, or do do you think there's something missing there with this Toronto team?
11: I just think it's one bad game, and I think you know Kyle Lowry's at his own head. I, you know they're 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 game one records and, and you know over the past few years haven't been that good and he hasn't been very consistent but you know what I, I I chalk it down to one bad game sometimes you need to get slapped in the face to wake up but at the same time for all the reasons you mentioned as well you know they have Danny Green now they have Kawhi Leonard proven championship winners. they have Marcus Gasol who's a veteran center Um Siakam's a young up-and-coming star you know they got Serge coming off the bench they got Van Fleet so they have a very deep team you know it. To me, it, it kind of hinders as far as they go on how consistent Kyle Lowry can be. You know, if you're paid as much money or you're, you're a consistent all-star, you have to show up in the playoffs. So they have all the pieces. That's why in game one, you know, I, I didn't think too much of it because they have so many other pieces that can help them do what they need to do. But I think for them to go as far as they possibly can, which I feel possibly is the NBA Finals, Kyle Lowry has to be in the lead point guard.
4: How does losing to Marcus Cousins affect the Warriors?
11: I think more emotional than anything, you know, it, 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 it's just such an unfortunate situation, you know, him working so hard to get back, um, you know, coming to the Warriors the way it happened. And then for him to be in the second playoff game four minutes in and, and tear a I you just feel bad for the guy, um, you know, and I know, you know, the guys heart's heavy or, or over there for him. But I what I will say is you you're definitely gonna miss him. You know, someone as talented as he is, you know, I figured he'd win a few games at some point during the playoffs by his play alone or by his singular play alone. The, the the one thing that the Warriors have on their side is they but outside of this year they've never had a center that was a focal point of their championship runs, you know, so I think if any team can rebound, um, this makes the Bogut signing that much bigger. Um, you know, uh, maybe have to continue to play well. You know, he had a career high um, in game two, so I think by committee, uh, playing small ball, I think they'll possibly be able to cover up for what DeMarcus brought them, but there's no doubt they're going to miss him.
4: <clears throat> yeah, and then, you know, uh, the Houston Rockets are the team waiting for them. Last time they matched up with the Houston Rockets, DeMarcus was awesome, and so, uh, like, right. I, I don't think he, I think he makes them worse defensively, but he gave them an additional offensive weapon, mm-hmm. and so na- now, and then, now they're going to count on Iguodala more and Livingston more, and I just don't know how much those guys have in the tank in comparison to what they've always had in the tank.
11: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the one good thing, I think the one good thing is that they played you know this this season they didn't play as many minutes as they've had in the past. I think they've done a good job of continuing to monitor minutes and, and sitting them during the season, so that for a situation like this, if they need to you know up their minutes in the playoffs, I think they'll be all right. Um, But that's the one thing I said at the beginning of the season was the the lack of depth was the only thing that worried me with the Warriors. Um, You know, you have guys that can come off the bench and play, um, but they don't have that normal depth they had um, on previous championship teams. So, like I said, losing to Marcus is going to be a big hit. um, But I think by committee they'll be able to rally up. and it's just not going to be – the road to three in a row is never easy. You know what I mean? And this is just part of the the hiccup, you know, losing to Marcus in, in the second game. Is just going to be a part of their story, you know. Whether their stars can rally the rest of the team and and make this push and continue the the, the threepeat, I think they can.
4: What's your take on Philadelphia? Obviously, you have a team in Brooklyn which spread them out, shot a bunch of threes. Second game, they scored 145 points and and seemed to answer back. Um, what do you think of Philadelphia's prospects in the playoffs?
11: Philly is one of those scary teams where they realize how good they can be you know to me outside the Warriors is not a better starting five on paper than Philly I just think they lack chemistry for whatever reason that is you know adding so many pieces uh, at the times they added and the characters they have you know with NB being you know such a big personality but there's times where you see their flashes and you see them click and you even though they may not like each other all the time you see that like them light up when they do stuff well so if they can really kind of Tunnel in on being a team and realizing their potential. Philly, someone that can make the finals in the Eastern Conference, there's, there's no question um, about it. But I think it again as Toronto helps right on Lowry, I think Seventy uh, Sixers helps ride right on Ben uh, ben, uh, ben Simmons. You mm-hmm. know, he's someone that has to be consistent. I think from being uh, you know a, a good player to a great player, it's just consistency. And you know, you saw a young Ben Simmons in Game One, and you saw someone who imposes well and had a triple double in Game Two.
4: If you were the Lakers and you had a choice, you got three choices, right? You got Monty Williams, who everybody likes, uh, but not really connected with the LeBron family. You got Tyron Lue, who I think everybody likes. He actually played for the Lakers, but he is connected with LeBron um, and, and with Rich Paul. Or, or you could wait, hire a president, take a breath, see what the landscape is. Right. What would you do?
11: I think uh, plan B, which you said. To me, it doesn't matter who the coach is if the front office isn't, isn't intact. You know, you you lose Magic, Genie's going to have to step up. You're handing the keys to Rob Polinka, which, you know, doesn't have a very good reputation throughout the league. You know, there was rumors of him, you know, being the guy that Magic was talking about when he said backstabbing. So you have a lot of uncertainty in the front office. So, you know, free agent acquisitions don't matter. Coaches don't matter if your front office isn't on the same page. <laughs>
4: Great stuff from Matt Barnes. By the way, uh, Matt, you have a cannabis research study with UCLA, right, to uh, combat opioid effects related to athletes, right? So the idea is, like, look, cannabis is legal in the state of California and several other states, and it's – it's how, how does how does that affect athletes in terms of what, of post-sports recovery, uh, for pain management? What What is the research study for? Uh, I, what, think what, all,
12: what I think –
11: I think all of the above. I mean, cannabis is an is amazing uh, plant tools, it you know, throughout its history has just such a negative, you know, stereotype drawn around it. But the more and more research is, is being done, we're finding out, you know, how beneficial this plant is, um, both on the CBD and THC side, anywhere from, uh, you know, pain management to sleep to focus. Um, you know, the CBD is, you know, for your joints and, and the betterment, just the, the body betterment. Um, so what you feel like we're trying to do is we're trying to continue to to spread the word educate people and then we're also want to do a a study of former players and and kind of get a a ground number of how many guys actually use during their career when they use why they use what they got from it so you can kind of hear guys own experiences you know people use it for for real reasons i think that people just think okay you smoke weed you're trying to get high but there's a lot of benefits from it and i think you know, no better to hear from is is from former players who've had successful long careers and hear their story and hear why they use it. I think when people start hearing the reason why, it'll open their eyes and, you know, the continued research from universities is going to hopefully help change, you know, basketball and and professional sport rules so it can be, you know, in addition to opioids, you you can also use cannabis if if needed.
4: Matt Barnes, great stuff, Matt. Look forward to seeing you on the TV side. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy Easter (coughs) to you. We'll talk soon.
11: Thanks, Doug. Same to you, buddy.
4: All right, that's Matt Barnes joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show, brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. Isaac Lowenkron manning the update desk. What do you got, Isaac? What do you get tries on?
13: Hey, Doug, we've got some breaking news. Florida Judge Joseph Marks has just temporarily blocked the release of video evidence in the solicitation of prostitution case against Patriots owner Robert Kraft. The next hearing on the matter will be on April 29th. Kraft's attorneys earlier today filed an emergency motion to block the release of the video saying that it would violate his constitutional rights. And here was one of a cadre of Kraft's attorneys in court just a short time ago explaining the reasoning of Kraft's side.
14: The fundamental problem is that the video, to our view, uh, is only going to appeal to prurient interest of, of a certain segment of the
13: population. Anyway, elsewhere, the NFL schedule is supposed to be officially released at 8 p.m. Eastern, but a lot of key games are are already being reported. Multiple outlets say that the Patriots will open up at home on Sunday Night Football against the Steelers. The Athletic just reported that the Broncos will visit the Raiders on the season premiere of Monday Night Football to conclude Week 1. And finally, AAF, we hardly knew ye. Front office sports reports that the Alliance of American Football has filed for Chapter 7 Bankruptcy Protection in the Western District of Texas. According to court filings, the league claims assets of $11 million, but liabilities of $48 million. I'm no financial expert, but that's not good. We'll get back to the Doug Gottlieb Show in 10 seconds, but first, a word from Farmers.
7: At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle, bird poop, drone. Seen it, covered it. Talk to farmers. We
8: are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
4: I want to bring on Phil Beckner's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. I would uh, sometimes in in the world of basketball you use the word guru, and college coaches roll their eyes. But he is a he's a guru. He's a workout guru to. Uh, many uh, NBA player, of course, said Chandler Hutchinson, one of his protégés when uh, he was an assistant at Boise State. and Of course, he's worked hand in hand with Damian Lillard going back to the Weber State days. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Is guru, uh, would, that, would that be a uh, uh, performance uh, specialist? Like how, how, would you, how would you prefer when you walk into a room, how would you prefer to be introduced?
14: You, you know what, I, I prefer to be just introduced as Phil, but he, even some of my clients start calling me that, and, and that's one of the biggest fights we have. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm quite a guru or whatever, but th- they get a kick out of calling me that for sure.
4: Okay, so uh, well, you first met Damian Lillard when?
14: Uh, you know, when I was at Weber State. I, I wasn't the guy who recruited him, but um, I was an assistant on staff. The guy who recruited him had uh, just left, and then you know we just started to develop a relationship there, training and working out when uh, when he was a freshman.
4: OK, so uh, and, and for full disclosure, my brother was an assistant at Cal Berkeley at the time. And of course, <laughs> yes. and of course, you know, like Damian is from Oakland, I'm sure. Now, um, they actually did have like a scoring point guard um, that that he he inherited. Um, but the but was he was more he was a two guard, right? He was a shooter more than anything when he first arrived on campus. Weed, was not he?
14: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think you tweeted that or, you know, said something about that. But, um, what, what most people don't realize is even as a freshman, he, so he, he played two guards for the Oakland Rebels, you know, with Raymond Young. He came to Weber State. We had him and then he didn't even start like the first nine games of his freshman year. And he ended up being the first freshman in like the last 15 years, um, or in like 15 years to be first-team all-conference in the Big Sky. For so the first nine games, we didn't start him. He was playing the two. Uh, and then after that, we actually transitioned him to the one, and we moved the other point guard to the two and ended up winning the Big Sky, and he became uh, first-team all-conference as a freshman.
4: How has he taken his game to this level? What the, what's the progression been like? What, what specifically has he done?
14: You know what, Doug? Um, That's a great question. He every summer he's been able to train with me, even when I was still coaching college. You know, I I think two things really, really separate him. One, he he has a willingness to um, be be held accountable. He has a willingness to be coached, even though he's been first team All NBA, Rookie of the Year, four time All Star, whatever it is. Like the people he trusts, both on the Trailblazer staff, both with myself. You know, being his private workout guy during the season and, off, and in the off season, he allows others to hold him accountable. He'll let people push him, confront him, tell him what he needs to do better, what he needs to do um, more of or less of. And then the other thing, like, you know, one thing that like, everyone's seeing now, this whole Logo Lillard thing, um, he, every summer we pick three areas he really, really, really wants to work on and get better at. And uh, the shooting is something he has progressed with. That's something we've done in detail for about four or five years now since um, I left the Oklahoma City Thunder. And last summer he was like, I really want to increase my range, not only off catch and shoot, but off the bounce. So that was one of our biggest emphasis with him, you know, being able to shoot the ball from distance. And that was something we've always done because obviously, and you played, you know, but um, when a point guard could shoot behind the pick and roll or shoot from NBA three off the bounce, it makes pick and roll coverages so much harder to guard him. And now he's able to shoot that thing probably four feet behind the line, and uh, it's just opened up a whole other, you know, area for him. And I think it's really given him a chance to be special. And what most people don't know is, you know, as much failure as he had last year and all the things that uh, the Trailblazers went through in the playoffs, He knew he was going to need this to get really, really good. So we came up with a system, a foundation to really work on his range specifically. And then the first shot, of course, he hit to get the Thunder in the playoffs was that deep pull-up against Paul George, and he was like, I knew I was going to get that off. He he specifically told me that. We watched film. He's like, I knew I was going to get that off. And now he's separated himself because he could make those at a very, very high level. I think there's one player in the league that shoots it better from deeper, and that's Steph Curry.
4: Yeah, no, it, it it's really remarkable. Like if there's something that Steph Curry has done um, in opening up the floor, it's, it's, not ju- the, the, it's, the, it's the range. It's coaches nodding their head going like, yeah, okay. And then also the ability to – how do these guys generate the power to shoot off the dribble like that? Because, look, if you played basketball, you know that if the ball is in the air and passed to you, you can kind of step in and catch and shoot and get momentum from a pro three or a little bit beyond. If you're coming down in transition, you got the momentum coming. But these guys are, you know, in and out, pull up three, through your legs, pull up three from, you know, 30 feet. Is there a secret sauce there to shooting with that type of range and that type of accuracy?
14: I I really think there is a a secret sauce, and I think there's a lot of guys, um, one, who can't teach it or who don't get the information, and there's a lot of guys who won't work on it that way because it's not fun. It's sometimes boring, it's monotonous, it's really tough, and, uh, you know, Dame, he works like a robot. He works like a machine. He could just do rep after rep, but the word you use, I, I think you said generate power. What we talk about is generating power and generating force, and there are, you know, a couple mechanical things. I, I think, number one, it's the movement of your body and your ball. We call that, like, body ball movement in our workout. And it's kind of just a term we've kind of come up with and I use with other pros and guys like, you know, Chandler Hutchison, who who is a Boise State. But we want our body and the ball to move fluid and to move effectively together. And then the technique, and and this is something, you know, Dame loves these. We call them foundation shooting drills. It's a lot of different types of jumping, a lot of different types of bouncing. There's actually 10 different types of shots. And I'm not talking, you know, like off a flare or off a pin down. These are technique foundational building shots. And they're almost like a diagnostic test. If you don't do them right, they're going to expose what you're doing wrong. So, number one, body ball movement. Number two, generating that force and that power off the bounce. And I know this sounds kind of cliche, but you know, being able to use your legs and shoot through the basketball like that's kind of and it's a little bit of a visual thing as well but a lot of guys their legs and their arms won't work together and you watch Steph Steph's really great at I think Devin Booker's another guy who's really really great at it they're just elite movers and I've talked about this a lot since I worked for the Thunder I just I always say the best players are the best movers when your body and ball moves together the force you generate the power you generate is able to push that ball more fluid, and more accurately over the rim.
4: Uh, really, really quickly, you mentioned your time with the Oklahoma City Thunder. What's going on with Russell's shooting? Usually at this point in your your career, you lose a step, and you gain it in shooting. Why has he struggled?
14: I, I have no idea. I mean, Russ is an ultimate competitor. You know, he, he and Dame have so much respect for each other. It's awesome to see those guys go back and forth. Um, you know, sometimes I think what goes on at the pro level is is guys are banged up a lot more than they tell their coaches or trainers or the media. And, you know, my guess would be Russ is probably one of those guys playing through a whole lot more than, uh, than what we would expect or what we would know.
4: Phil, great stuff. Uh, can't wait to get more of your commentary on the podcast as well. Appreciate you, your insight into Damian Lillard, who's had just a remarkable uh, career thus far and an awesome run through two games in the playoffs. Appreciate your, your input.
14: All right. Thanks for having me. Great job.
4: All right. That's uh, Phil Beckner, who, of course, is kind of a workout guru to the stars, a former assistant coach in both the pros and in college basketball. It's Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Pat Mahomes will be the first $50 million per year player in the NFL. Real news or fake news? Find out next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
7: At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it? Covered it. Talk to farmers.
8: We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates, products not available in every state.
4: Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. TrueCar shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Every day at this time, we like to get you caught up in as many stories today as possible. We do so by handing it over to someone like Isaac Lohenkron and play a game.
5: Game This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show.
4: Little Caesars has the large bacon wrap. Deep, deep dish for just $12. It's wrapped with more than three feet of bacon, then topped with pepperoni, even more bacon, All for only $12 at Little Caesars. Participation locations plus tax where applicable.
13: Isaac, what's the game? Mmm, bacon. bacon. Oh, let's see what we got today. Bacon. Getting more and more difficult to tell the difference with each passing day. According to a report, as the market for franchise quarterbacks continues to rise, the belief around the NFL is that Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs will be the first $50 million per year player. Real or fake?
4: Um, Well, he has to be a $40 million per year player, so I'll say it's fake news. You are fake
13: news. You are absolutely correct. According to Mike Freeman of Bleach Report, Mahomes could be looking at an extension that averages only $45 million a year. Well, Mike Freeman's always accurate with the numbers, too.
4: There you go. So, That's a sarcats hashtag. Sarcasm. Yes. Hashtag,
13: ha- hashtag
4: uh, payout for the uh, Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reid thing. But anyway.
13: Speaking of quarterbacks, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott are having active discussions about a contract extension of their own. Real news or fake news? That's real news.
8: They're real oh. and they're spectacular.
13: Here's the lowdown from Stephen Jones in an interview on 105.3 The Fan.
12: Yeah, we're always open uh, to looking at, uh, you know, looking at things, and certainly if there's opportunities there that make sense, and then, then we'll uh, we'll progress. I
11: mean, I think uh, pretty much everybody's on it pretty good. That there's a. Uh, you know, some pretty
12: active discussions now with uh, Dak and, and Amari, but it doesn't mean that we uh, some can't pick up in short order with uh, other players that we have on our roster that we certainly want to keep uh, keep here in Dallas and have them remain Cowboys in the future.
4: Not a surprise. I mean, like, listen, uh, they, they don't have to give them a new deal. They're doing the good cop, bad cop thing. Uh, with Jerry and his son, and I think they'd like to get it done, but they'd like to get it
13: done in a team-friendly deal. I, I think that's smart business. And finally, while the AAF is no longer with, with us, the XFL is ramping up, and its commissioner, Oliver Luck, told a Cleveland radio station he thinks, quote, several teams are trying to sign quarterback Colin Kaepernick and that he wouldn't be surprised if Kaepernick is one of the first players signed. Real or fake? Real.
4: You are fake news.
13: He actually said he has no idea whether Colin is in shape or not, whether he wants to play. He says the XFL is a league that has salary restrictions, I'm guessing differently than the AAF, and obviously at least based on what people have said, that might play a role in his desire to play. He also said as long as Johnny Manziel fits the XFL's behavioral standards, he said he was sure he would have an opportunity, but they've had no contact with him yet.
4: Well, what Oliver Luck is saying is what people in the NFL have said for years. Like, we don't see him working out. He's not going. He's, he's not actively pursuing a job. And so all these people that want him to play seem to want him to play more than he wants to play.
15: <laughs> That's game, huh? Game time. This
5: is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
4: All right, coming up next, our old pal Nick Wright from First Things First joins the show. I'll ask him if he's worried about Russell Westbrook and why he thinks the Rockets are better this year. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up, Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. We are. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio is uh, always brought to you by the good folks at Farmers Insurance. Um, At Farmers, uh, we've seen... Oh, we've already done our Farmers? My bad. All right, Nick Wright's going to... Nick Wright's going to join us from, from First Things First. Uh, first Things First is every morning, 3 to 6. I'm trying to think because I've done this show. 3 to 6 Pacific Coast time, 6 to 9 Eastern time. Of course, it's uh, it's starring Chris Carter, Nick Wright, Jenna Wolfe, and Nick Wright spent some time with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Nick, let me first just get your reaction. Hope they're not after you. Uh, Russell Westbrook has struggled all year with his free throws, and he's shooting... Like you know, He just had not had a good shooting year. And, look, last year you could make the case, all right, it was his first year with Paul George, and maybe this year you could make the case they don't have a ton of shooting around him, but he's just not getting better. How concerned are you about Russell Westbrook and his ability to win big in the playoffs considering his, uh, his inability to consistently connect from deep?
12: Yeah, well, it's inability to connect from deep plus his propensity to shoot those threes anyway. He's now... It's him and Charles Barkley as the worst high-volume three-point shooters among good players in NBA playoff history. If you remove the good players' qualification, you just sandwich Lindsey Hunter between them, and it's Charles Lindsey Hunter and Russell Westbrook. The free-throw shooting, to me, is shocking. I This one you probably can understand better than me because you understand the the functionality of why uh uh, shooting form will go good or go bad in a way that I don't. That that I don't like. Everyone was on LeBron's head this year for being a bad free throw shooter, but the reality is LeBron's been a mediocre free throw shooter his whole career. So if he just loses a few percentage points, mediocre becomes bad. Russ was 85 percent, and then last year was 75 percent, and this year is 65 percent. I don't know how that happens, and so yeah, there should be real concern. They. Year one without Durant, 47 wins, bounced in five games. Year two without Durant, 48 wins, bounced in six games. Year three without Durant, 49 wins, and it's looking like another first-round exit. Now, I don't think they're dead in this series yet, and I don't think you do either, but with no nurkage for Portland, this was Oklahoma City's series to win, and Russ was really, really bad yesterday.
4: Um. Okay, what about Lillard? You know, like, he doesn't have Nurkic, and, you know, he's kind of stuck up there in Pacific Northwest, and he's always been seen as just a great, great shooter. Would it would it change our perception of him if he's able to beat the Thunder? Even though they're the higher seed, would it change our perception maybe nationally of who he is and how good he is?
12: Well, listen, I mean, I, I think that Dame and Russ and Kyrie and Kimba are all in the exact same tier of player. Now Russ has been elevated because he won the MVP, but nobody thinks they're one of those seven best guys in the league. Everyone thinks they're in that next grouping, and I still do. Now, I mean, Dame hit a buzzer beater to win a playoff series, the first playoff series of his career. He got that team to the playoffs once LaMarcus Aldridge left. Now, he doesn't have any high-level playoff success. He has a lot of first-round exits, a couple second-round appearances, but because we don't scrutinize him, we are not like, if they win this series, he's not going to have more playoff success than Russell Westbrook. He'll just be a guy we like more, and so we'll we'll flip the narrative. Now, I think you can make the argument Dame's better than Russ or Russ is better than Dame. Dame might be a guy whose game is more situated for 2019 than Russell Westbrook. I'll tell you that much.
4: Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Um, Help me you on your show. I think it was two days ago. You said you actually think this Rockets team is better than last year's Rockets team, right? Yeah. Why do you think that is?
12: They're deeper, Harden's better. And they are, since the all-star break, they've been the best team in the, the best team in the league. I mean, it's that, that, that's it's really that simple they have last year once Bamute went down how many guys were they playing they, they were they had a six and a half man rotation now I feel like they can go nine deep Harden's playing at a, a higher level than he was last year Chris Paul has maintained I that's now they don't have home court and that was super important so but I think that they' are I just think they're better like Capella's better than he was last year Harden's better than he was last year Chris Paul's not worse. And I like the, the Austin Rivers off the bench. I like the addition of Fareed. I like that that you know Ariza was brutal for them at the end of the playoffs last year. And Bamute once his shoulder went bad, he went bad. So they were really down to a starting five plus Gerald Green. So that's why. Do you I do you disagree?
4: I do. Um, obviously, you know, look once cp 3 went down, they, they were not the same team last year. I don't think Chris Paul is as good as he was last year. And I, I, I think Trevor Riza was just a higher level guy at that position. Um, I thought their starting lineup was what was better last year. Even if James Harden is seemingly playing at a higher level this year offensively than he was previously, I thought they were better defensively last year. I thought they were, now the field may not be as strong. Like, I don't think the West is actually as good as it has been. Um, you know the Warriors, for example. I don't. I don't think they were better with DeMarcus Cousins. They're definitely not better now. Uh, but I, I, I really truly believe that they were better last year. Is their depth better? You could make that argument. But uh, but Trevor Ariza was a real issue for uh, for Kevin Durant to play against.
12: Yeah. Listen, and and maybe PJ Tucker can be that same issue for Durant this season. The Warriors are not better than they were last year. We agree on that end. And I just think if you look at the Rockets' numbers after that horrible 25-game start, and particularly if you look at their numbers in games that Chris, James, and Capella all play, then their defense is better than it was last season. P.J. Tucker should be all-defensive first team this year. Chris Paul's always an excellent defender, and Clint Capella is one of the most underrated defenders in the league. You add to that, that Harden has gone from horrifically, embarrassingly bad defender to actually an above-average defender for his position. And it's like, okay, that's that's the makings of a good defensive team. And I don't think we can, just because James Harden won the MVP last year, I don't think we can discount the jump he took this year. He's he's unguardable, evidenced by the way Utah decided, man, we'd just rather play – four on five and give him runs to the rim rather than let him shoot step backs on us and hit guys. Like he's, he is mastering offensive basketball in a way that I don't think anyone's familiar
5: with.
4: Doug Alex here on Fox sports radio. All right. So now we've had a couple games in and look, it's really hard to to go crazy about the Raptors playing poorly game one when they, they thump Orlando game two. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, like, look, yes, the Celtics beat the Pacers and held them to 74 points, but that's kind of what we expected when you take Victor Oladipo off the Pacers. But we, we have had a couple – and we've had the Sixers not, lose
12: – by the way – by the way, I think the Pacers – I think that series goes at least six and maybe seven. I don't think the Celtics should have been that thrilled about game one. Like, look, when a team makes two baskets for 18 minutes, you're going to beat them. But the Celtics' offense was horrifying. That looked like a 1994 Knicks Heat game – and I don't think Boston can be super thrilled about how they played in game one. So I actually think that series could be really good. But sorry to interrupt.
4: No, no, you, you, you're you're more than welcome. It's a conversation more than anything. Nick Wright, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Okay, so now that we've had a couple of games, what do we make of the East?
12: Uh, listen, Mi- Milwaukee has had the the profile of not just a championship contender, not just a champion, but they they had the regular season profile of a team that would be one of the 15 best teams we've ever seen. Now, it is hard to assign that to them until we see the postseason success, but they check every single box. They've got the guy, the the league MVP most likely, and the guy who you might be able to make the strongest argument is the best player in the league uh, as their star player. They have depth. They have a top three offense. They have a top three defense. They have, I think, a really good coach They have everything you need. I think it is Milwaukee's to lose. I think Milwaukee will absolutely dominate whomever they play in round two, be it Boston or Indiana. And then it'll be really curious to me to see, do the Sixers, does it click for the Sixers who've only had 12 games with this starting five, or does it not, in which case Toronto will be Milwaukee's competition in round two? And by the way, speaking of best player in the league, before we're done, I want to ask you something about Kevin Durant. But uh, on the, the East, I, I would be at this point very surprised if Milwaukee's not in the NBA Finals.
4: Uh, I, I, you'd be very surprised. You think they're, they're far and away better. They haven't won a playoff series yet uh, with Giannis, and you'd be very surprised they weren't in the NBA Finals. Like, look, the first series appears to be a walk. Why do you feel so strongly about the Bucs?
12: Well, they mean they're the first two series are going to be walks for them. Like they are, That's fine that they haven't won a playoff series yet, but they're about to. They also, this is Giannis' first season in his career with a living, breathing human as a head coach. That helps a lot. They the, the, what they've done for building a defense around his very specific skill set has been brilliant. What they're doing offensively with he and Brooke Lopez, I think is so sharp. I they, they might get Malcolm Brogdon back by the Eastern Conference Finals. And, like, Toronto's a, a good team. But Toronto has one guy you trust. That's it. One guy you trust. I just, I think, yeah, I would be, I think Milwaukee is a heavy favorite against the field to come out of the East.
4: Who do you think should be the next head coach of the Lakers?
12: Someone present me with an option better than Ty Lue. And I'll listen to it. But the, the bad organizations, companies, teams are worried about optics. Good organizations are worried about what is the best course of action for us to achieve our goals. So the, the way it's so odd, because it's the same, the same group of people who want to undercut LeBron are the exact same people who want to say, Tyloo's championship doesn't count because he won it with LeBron. It's one or the other. Like we have, if you're going to say we don't know how good of a coach Tyloo is because he did it with LeBron, then I guess if Steve Kerr were available, you wouldn't hire him either because we don't know how good he is because he's only done it with Steph. Like Tyloo fits every, it checks every box you'd want a head coach to check. If you have LeBron James on your team. Now, if the Blazers blow this series, right, and the, they fire Terry Stott, okay, well then now you have a different viable option. But right now, Jason Kidd would be horrifying. I don't know about Jawan Howard. I like Monty Williams as a man, but I've never been impressed with him as an NBA head coach. I don't know a better option than Ty Lu. But I will tell you this, what I'd like the Lakers to do with head coach is not hire one right now and hire a God-blessed team president instead of just elevating Rob Polinka, But that doesn't seem to be what Jeannie Bus wants to do.
4: The, the problem with it is, with hiring Ty Lu is the perception that the league has, right? Like, that, that's, a, that's a real legit problem, which others, of course, Zach Lowe, I think, had on his last podcast, right? Which is um, whether or not Rich Paul and Ty Lu and LeBron James are, in fact, making all the decisions... Jeannie doesn't want that because it's her team. She doesn't She doesn't want anybody thinking anybody else is running the team, in addition to the fact that they struggle to get players from outside of the scope of. And then, you know, like, what is the best option? Anthony Davis, but New Orleans has to want to make that trade during this you last year of the contract. You think
12: New Orleans would be less likely to make the trade because of who the Lakers make as their head coach?
4: No, with- but, I think, but, but I think what happens is if the Lakers hire Ty Lue, and the, oper- and the operating belief for everybody in the NBA is LeBron, and Rich Paul, and uh, they're running this thing, right? Is they know other guys aren't going to go there. All the elite guys are not going to go there. They just don't, don't want to do that. It's not what they want. And so they know they have to go and get Anthony Davis. But Hold
12: huh? on, but what is the evidence of that? Huh? What's the evidence of that? That if that, if the, that elite players, would be bothered by an elite player running a team. That's just a narrative that's out there. Someone other than Kevin Durant put their name behind that idea. Somebody. What is the evidence of that?
4: I'm telling you, that's what people in the NBA say. You know people in the NBA. You've never heard that before. No,
12: no, 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 no. That that is certainly what, like, I know who hates this idea. The people who have been running teams forever, front office people, uh, general, I, I know general managers. I, I agree with that. But what is the evidence I, that players don't like this? There is none. Players are incredibly indebted and grateful for the way LeBron has shifted the power structure from the stodgy, mostly white, mostly didn't play front office members to young black players. That is a reality and a truism. And so if you're saying to me, that the Lakers hiring Ty Lue might make teams less want to do business with them less, I'll listen to it. But, if, but the Pelicans just hired David Griffin, so I don't think that'd be a problem. But if you're telling me the Lakers hiring Ty Lue that all of a sudden Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard is going to say, I don't want to go to an organization where the player has ultimate power, I have no evidence of that and no one has that that's ever why Kyrie that.
4: doesn't want to play with him it has nothing to do with playing with LeBron he doesn't want to play where the where where the guy he's playing with has the power he, he's done with that okay he, he is i'm i'm just i'm i'm you can tell me that i they should feel a different way i'm telling you the way they feel in addition to the fact that their their own you, look listen their their own agents feel this way like look no, i'm the not going to agents
12: do feel that way yes I'm and so do the you, and so do the players you, Doug, with with respect you have no idea what you're talking about there. You you have no idea how Kyrie Irving feels about this. It might be how you feel about this. No, you have no-,
4: no, no. Actually, um, actually, Nick, I do. I, from from people I know close enough to Kyrie. The Kyrie? That, yes. Okay. That that is. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, Nick, you I clearly know everything and everyone in the NBA. I mean, I just no, I didn't like the that. idea. Like we I, we both we both know people in the NBA, and I'm telling yeah. you that that Kyrie has told people like. The, the, he didn't, that wasn't his jam. It just wasn't like it it has nothing to do with playing with LeBron, like playing with LeBron. Like, yeah, you're going to accept some blame when you don't make shots, but he gives you freedom. That ain't, that's not it. It's the, you never really know where you stand with him. And he controls the coach. He controls the players. He controls everything. And so, so you don't. So you're kind of like walking on eggshells. It's not an equal part. It's not an equal partnership in any way. And it's not what people want. It's not how a team is supposed to be structured. So who and should guys,
12: the Lakers hire?
4: Who should they hire?
12: Yeah.
4: <clears throat> Look, you, you have one of you have one of two choices. You go Ty Lue. You got to go. You know, try and figure it out and and hope LeBron has what he used to have and get as many shooters as you can. and Hope you can pull off a deal with Anthony Davis. What they should do is they should hire a president first, like a legit yep. president. Okay. And then have a legit coach. I don't know why they're rushing a coach. They don't play another game until next October. right? So I don't know why they need a coach I, this second.
12: I agree with that 100%. And I, and I said that's what I would do as well. But it doesn't look like they're going to do this. And so I'm, I, I just want to ask you again, because I feel like a lot of people are, are in this camp. They shouldn't hire Ty Lue, but I can't come up with a name they should hire. They are clearly doing the coaching search now. If it's not Ty Lue, who is the better option? Would,
4: would Coach K be a better option?
12: Sure, no problem, but Coach K ain't
9: coming.
4: Okay. I'm like, look, I think you explore the ISO. I think you explore the K. I think you explore Bill Self. I think you explore uh, the, the idea of figuring out who's, who's on the market um, uh, as a head coach. I don't hate the Tai Lou idea, but I, I would like to have a president in place first. That figure, I out don't, front off, figure out the front office structure. Is Palinka going to be the guy? If he's not the guy, then get somebody else in there. Who is the guy? They need an assistant GM. You can't just have an inexperienced GM and then not have an assistant GM. They're the only team in the league to not have one. Like they're, I, you know, they're like they're I like totally trying to they're like that. trying they're like trying to fix the backsplash when the foundation is screwed up in the house. <laughs> You're like no no no. You know what I mean? Like I think that's the biggest issue there.
12: That is. Listen, they might hire Kurt Rambis because Jeannie is friends with his wife. Like, no, no, no. That I one thousand percent agree with you on. I vehemently disagree with the idea that that hiring Ty Lue is going to hurt you in the free agent marketplace. And I know we're way, way late, but I just have to know wh- what's your what's your opinion of your your proclaimed best player alive getting his lunch eaten by a guy a foot shorter than him for two straight games.
4: Um. I don't know if he's gotten his lunch eaten by him. I think it's, it's this, this reminds me of high school basketball. That That's what it reminds me of, you know, when you have high school basketball and you have the big star who's like six, five, six, six. And you put the, the guy who looks like me, the coach's son on mm-hmm. him and he gets up into him. And anytime he moves, you know, he flops all over the place. I, I, I kind of think it's embarrassing with the end, what the officials have done is that they've allowed Patrick, who I, I like, I mean, I love the Patrick Beverly thing if it was on my team, but it, it, You wouldn't allow that to happen to Steph Curry. You wouldn't allow it to happen to LeBron James. Maybe LeBron James is so strong he wouldn't allow it to happen to himself. Uh, But there's no question that he's kind of – he's done this weird thing where he's kind of laid back in the cut and decided, all right, I'm not going to kind of engage. It's been weird. But KD has had these weird moments going back to last year in the NBA playoffs where there were were games – there were games against the Rockets where he disappeared and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh yeah, he is the best player." So, I would say it's weird, but it does it strikes me as a little bit of WWE and a little bit of high school basketball that I think ultimately will even out. My guess is one of these two games in in LA, he's going to go for 60 and that'll be that.
12: Well, I thought you were going to say 40. I could see 46 you would be shocking. Well, I was going I was going
4: a little over the top for shock value. The
12: difference the difference is um in high school basketball a six five-star player, 17 years old, not a 30-year-old grown man NBA champion that should be better than this. You don't it here's here's what the best player in the NBA doesn't have, and the guy who is the best player in the NBA hasn't had for a decade. Really awful consecutive playoff games. And because the last time this happened to LeBron, it was JJ Berea, and he was filleted for it. There is and the idea that the Warriors are sending tapes to the league office, oh the kid that started his career in Russia is unfairly grabbing our seven-foot tarantula. Is so embarrassing. Get your bleep together, KD. This is ridiculous.
4: Nick Wright, first things first, every morning on Fox Sports 1. Thanks, Nick. Later, bro. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on here on Fox Sports Radio. The Steelers are trying to reboot their marriage. I'll explain next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
7: at Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Farmers! Seen it, covered it.
8: Talk to Farmers. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers, truck fire insurance, exchanges and affiliates. Products not available in every state. Car
4: shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. TrueCar shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar And enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'll tell you how the Steelers are trying to restart their marriage in moments. First, let's get you to Isaac Lowenkron. Isaac, what do you got?
13: Doug, earlier today, a judge in Florida, Joseph Marks, temporarily blocked the release of video evidence in the solicitation of prostitution case against Patriots owner Robert Kraft. The next hearing on the matter will be on April 29th. Here is an argument made by one of Kraft's attorneys during the hearing itself today.
14: The fundamental problem is that the video, to our view, uh, is only going to appeal to Purian interest of
7: of a certain segment of the population.
13: Can I ask a question? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm not saying I'll answer it, but go ahead. Do you know what
4: um, Purian means?
13: Yeah, it's uh, it's spelled P R U R, but pronounced purient. It's um, how can I put this delicately? Um, kinky in nature, if you will. How's it spelled? P. It, it that, that's the thing that confuses me. It's spelled P R U R I E N T, but it's pronounced purient. Having or encouraging an excessive interest in sexual matters. Unquote.
4: Yeah, I, I do. I I actually kind of agree with the the lawyer here, right? Like, what is the point of watching this? Of of releasing
13: it? Look, from my chair, I'm technically supposed to be objective, but I agree with you. I mean, I'm like sitting here saying, was I going to have to, in the name of my work, view whatever they released, especially soon after having lunch, and even though they were going to pixelate it, yeah. I think I'll ask for April 29th off just in case they wind up releasing it that day.
4: Yeah, I just, I don't understand. I mean, like, there, there's lots of solicitation. Uh, there's solicitation cases every, every day in court. Like, why do we... I don't want to see that. I don't think... There's nothing gained by the public to seeing that. It just isn't. <laughs> well, it's that full disclosure public. But like, it's just... It's It's, it's actually not Purian. That, that's not... That's, I don't believe... It's simply to embarrass I mean, it's, it becomes double jeopardy. You've already embarrassed him enough.
13: I think the issue that the media outlets who are filing the motion and or in, maybe working in concert, in concert with the prosecutors is more the principle itself as it relates to publicly accessible information because Florida is a big sunshine state law. But in this specific case, if y'all don't want to release that video of Robert Kraft, even though it's pixelated, I'm cool. I'll I'll pass on this one, you know. I'll get on the bandwagon for transparency about, like, anything else, but I don't need to see it. Once you see something like that, even if it's pixelated, you can't unsee it. You're not going to be able to unsee the rest of the complete NFL schedule when it's officially released tonight at 8 Eastern. Many of the marquee matchups already being released, including the Patriots hosting the Steelers in Week 1 on Sunday Night Football and the Raiders hosting the Broncos on the season premiere of Monday Night Football. Speaking of football, the Alliance of American Football filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy protection today. According to court filings, the league claims assets of $11 million and liabilities of $48 million. The league saying in a statement, quote... We are deeply disappointed to be taking this action. The AAF strove to create new opportunities for talented players, coaches, executives, and officials. While providing an exciting experience for fans, we are proud of the fact that our teams and players delivered on that goal. Unquote. Unfortunately, the league itself apparently did not deliver on its deliverables. We'll get back to Doug Gottlieb in 10 seconds, but first, a word from Farmers.
7: At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle bird poop drone seen it covered it talk to farmers we
5: are farmers
8: underwritten by farmers truck fire insurance exchanges and affiliates products not available in every state
4: so ben roethlisberger is attending the steelers phase one of their offseason program as part of a large turnout roethlisberger told steelers.com quote we want to show we are here dedicated to this team dedicated to having a great season we are all about each other you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the married couple was like, you know, we just need to go on a date again. Like, and she's like, what do you mean date again? Like, you know, like a date, like tell me what time I'll pick the restaurant. I'll pick you up. I won't tell you where we're going. Like we've been married for 25 years. Hey, so, you know, like I'll, I'll pick you up at seven. She gets ready. You come in, you knock on the door. You got flowers. It's a little cheesy, a little over the top. You try someplace new, you know? You sit across from each other. You act kind of coy. Yeah, people do all the time. Get reacquainted. Some people go on vacation, go to Cabo. All right, let's let's, let's dial it back. Remember when we didn't have kids and we didn't have children sleeping in our bed and we didn't constantly argue about our finances. That's what the Steelers are doing here and there's nothing wrong with it. It's very natural progress. You know, Ben Ross was like, look, let's just let's just we're going to the only way we're going to do this without Antonio Brown, without Le'Veon Bell is to be 53, 53 heartbeats together. 53 as one. Right. And once we do that, once we do that, then well, then we'll be on our way. Now, look, the, the issues that led to the marital strife to begin with will probably rear its head at some point. There's always going to be a guy who wants new contract. Ben, ben Roethlisberger is always going to see himself and be viewed as some sort of elite guy in comparison to the rest of the guys that haven't won two Bowls. And his talent isn't what it used to be, and he does hold on to the ball, which causes him to turn it over, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in the short term, like, yeah, okay, kind of works. Gives you a little marital refresher. You should be doing it more often than once every twenty years, but it makes complete sense, right? Don't forget, Ramon Foster came out and said, "Hey, you guys got a problem? Here's my number," to all the former players. Like, look, we want to. We got this thing all handled. Your head coach, Mike Tomlin, is probably going to dial up the accountability and be a little bit more discipline oriented might go a little bit against his personality, but it's what's been called upon. I mean, the idea that the Steelers would keep continuing along the same path and expect a different result. That would be by definition insane. So most people just try and refresh your relationship. Now Ramos has decided to impregnate his wife again. That's another way to restart your relationship, right? Hey, let's, <laughs> That's a good point. Let, let's go back to the diaper stage where we don't sleep at all. <laughs> And it's really expensive and everybody's tired and cranky. Like, yeah, phase one, Doug, phase one. Hey, that's, that's uh, that's Ramos phase one. <laughs> Steelers. Meanwhile, are just showing up at camp, by the way, Ramos, I'll send you this video. I got a video of my son that I found yesterday. He was like one and a half or something in a bathtub. And I mean, it's just so yummy. You're just like, man, I'm, I'm, I was jealous of you yesterday. <laughs> I was I was really jealous of Baby Ramos, which is uh, which is being cooked up in your wife's belly, as we speak. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio at Gottlieb Show is the Twitter handle. Charles Barkley thinks the Lakers still have a bright future. Tell you what I think next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at noon Eastern, three p.m. Pacific.
7: At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Talk to Farmers. We
8: are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers, truck fire insurance, exchanges, and affiliates. Products not available in every state.
4: Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car. And enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Every day this time of the Doug Gottlieb Show, we like to play for you something from a previous show on Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports Radio, we call it. And now. <laughs> what does the fox say? At Little Caesars, you can get a large bacon-wrapped deep, deep dish for just $12. It's wrapped with more than three feet of bacon, then topped with pepperoni, even more bacon, and for only 12 bucks at Little Caesars, available at participating locations, plus tax where applicable. This was Charles Barkley and the Dan Patrick Show earlier this morning discussing the future of the Clippers and the Lakers.
14: And who would have thought that the Clippers would even steal a game from Golden State, make the playoffs, and they have a brighter future than the Lakers
5: do right now?
15: They don't have a brighter future than the Lakers. I don't believe that. Oh, yeah, they do. No, they don't. If the Lakers Lakers get Anthony Davis. They're not getting Anthony Davis. Well, you don't know that. I mean, he's with Clutch Sports, so you don't know that. I don't think first of all let's get one thing we don't know who got a bright future that's that was the point I just made it's all going to come down to where all these superstars go this summer uh, and nobody has a bright future yet I mean if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers uh, they they're going to be back in play uh, but I don't this notion that somebody's got an advantage nobody has an advantage I think there's only two guys out there Anthony Davis and KD that's going to make you an instant contender. Now, these other guys, um, and, and, and Kawhi is a hell of a player also. I don't want to, uh, I should put him in that category. If you don't get one of those three guys, uh, I don't, like I said, you might get a guy and pay him the max, but unless you get one of those three guys, you, you're not a, a contender.
4: I, I tend to agree that, that people somehow, sometimes get lost on things, right? Like, even if the Lakers don't add Anthony Davis, one, they'll have a bunch of cap room to spend. Two, the guess would be they'll be all those young guys will be better. They were in position to be a good playoff team. Now the thing imploded, and they're gonna they're gonna change some stuff up. But they have Lonzo Ball coming back, who I think will have, um, if he's not traded, he'll have an incredible season. He'll have an outstanding year next year. Gotta stay healthy. But there were signs of him evolving. He's become a much better athlete. His body's filled out. He's never had a, an actual basketball playing offseason. Never, not once. Um, because he's been hurt both the past two offseasons. And I think Kyle Kuzma will improve. And I think LeBron James will be in a better place physically. And there's still the Lakers. Like, the, the Lakers, job. this is why I, I don't think they should hire a head coach before a president if you hire a president, that's a good job. You got cap space. You got a lottery pick. You got LeBron James. You got young players. Right? You got cap space. You got a lottery pick. You got young players. So there you go. You're in good. You're in good spot. I I, I don't disagree. Do I? And the idea that a pesky team that wins a playoff game, they were down 31. They were down 31. Let's get some reality there. Lakers are still in pretty good shape, but now they got to make the right decisions in the offseason. Ah! Yes, Rhyme is it?
9: One of the things that Charles kind of touched on there at the end was he still thinks that there's absolutely a chance that Anthony Davis ends up on the Lakers. What would you put those odds at right now? Would you say it's like 20%, 50%? Because what it seems like is it is pretty grim, sort of like what DP was alluding at there, which is that most people believe that that ship has sailed and the Pelicans do not want to do business with the Lakers. But now that Magic's gone and you know they're sort of clearing everything out without Palenka, do you think those odds have improved or is it just, just as bad of a position now as it was at the trade deadline?
4: I, I have no idea. I can only tell you that you know, like, uh, I, you just can't take anybody at what they say. Right, you can't. David Griffin earlier today said he thinks that Anthony Davis might want to stay. They're like, "Have you met with him?" He's like, "No." (laughs) You know, I mean, I mean, he doesn't want to stay. He doesn't want to stay there. He wants to leave. He doesn't want to stay there. He wants out. Now, do you have history there with David Griffin and Rich Paul having done business together before? Sure. Um, I would guess that that ends up that they're one of two or three. You know whether it's New York, whether it's Boston, or whether it's the Lakers, but like David Griffin's given Carte Blanche to come in and fix the thing. He may try and convince him, hey, give me a year, let me build around you, maybe. So that would be one of four. But you know, Knicks have some some pieces to move. The Celtics have some pieces to move, and the Lakers have some pieces they can move. So we'll we'll just have to we'll just have to see. Um. From the, from the Arizona Cardinals team website, general manager Steve Kime emphasized that they have not yet made a decision on what to do with the number one overall pick. The reason is simple. We have time. And I love the idea of Arizona doing, doing their due diligence. We're not rushing anything. Generally, I think they've probably already made up their mind that this is not Steve Kime being honest with us even if he is honest saying they do in fact have time. And the thing about Steve Kime is whatever his mind, however, might've been made up initially, he could change it seeing as that's what he did with his head coach, his offensive coordinators, and maybe even his quarterback. Um, But we do want to rush. We want to know, we want to know, we want to know, we want to know, we want to know we're going to take, we're going to take. And all we can do is read tea leaves. My, my big question is this. If Steve Keim, who has Josh Rosen as his quarterback under rookie control or reasonable contract, if he's not sure that he's the dude, if he was sure that he's the dude, then he wouldn't have had to bring in Kyler Murray. There is no due diligence when you have the guy. It just isn't. And you could say like, hey, you know, I was, we were just dating and I did go on a date with another woman. And as soon as I went on and I had a, She had a half glass of wine and I just knew it wasn't right. Like, okay, okay. I get it, but they're, they're not dating. They're not just together. They're married. They're under contract. And if you're willing to have that same dinner conversation with somebody else, then you're not with the right person. That just doesn't make any, that doesn't add up. I don't care what your head coach said in college about Kyler Murray or how much he thinks of Kyler Murray or how much Kyler Murray may fit his system, whatever. That doesn't make any sense. Sometimes people just don't have a plan. And look, that's okay. Like, I can be a winged guy. I can sit down. Five, some guys like their entire show written out and want to read it and make it seem like it's, it's, it's reactive when it's really not scripted. There are, you'll listen to some radio shows. I know one in particular that there's an actual script to, which is written by multiple writers and the person delivers it and you can't tell. And there are some that there's no level of preparation at all. Like we got no idea what he's going to say. Just turn, turn the microphone on. Those guys take a lot of calls usually. You know, and look, there's also sometimes there's a lot of mistakes made when you wing it. You say things that are wrong cuz you you have a staff of people that are going to help you prepare, put it on your screen, hand you a note. I generally fall on the side of I like it being more organic than scripted. On the other hand, I still like to know where I'm going and have some thoughts that I've already kind of pre-planned for. It does feel like Steve Kime is kind of wing it guy. Yeah, we we have time. I haven't figured it out yet. So, all right, coming up next, I'm going to play for you what Kevin Durant just said is the is the reason that people think he's being passive. He believes he's simply playing the same style that they've played last month of the season in Golden State and how he's just reacting to the defense the Clippers are running. Then we're going to bring in Landry Shamit from the L.A. Clippers, the rookie who had a huge three. To help solidify the win, I, I think it put him on top for good, the Clippers over the Warriors. Going to ask Landry about the difference between the Sixers and the Clippers and the atmosphere around the teams and what he thinks of the Warriors now that they don't have DeMarcus Cousins. So wait to you hear what Kevin Durant had to say, and then Landry Shaman will tell us, yeah, if that's the Clippers' defensive plans. That's next in the Doug Gottlieb Show.
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: What up? Doug Gottlieb show Fox Sports Radio coming to you from the sunny beautiful city of Los Angeles, California, where we still have an NBA playoff team. It's the LA Clippers, the team everybody's talking about, including Kevin Durant who he had a media session earlier today, and um, take a listen. So Kevin Durant, obviously, he's been guarded by Patrick Beverly, who by, his, by, by anybody's interpretation has been just a pest. Right, Six foot one, 180, just a gnat in him, getting what's called underneath him defensively. And we just had Nick Wright on last hour, and he's like, man, what is Kevin Durant doing? Why is he being so passive? Here's Kevin Durant's response.
17: Well, we had a nice flow of the game. You know, let's go back to the whole last month of the season. We've been playing this way for a while. And when we got to this series, um, you know, game one, we had some nice momentum. They're playing a gimmick defense, which has been working, top blocking everything on the perimeter. So guys not even looking at a three-point line, they're just forcing guys inside the three-point line. So for us, when I get the ball in my spots, you know, I got a pest, Patrick Beverly. Who's up underneath me? Well, I could definitely shoot over top and score every time if it's a one-on-one situation. But we got a guy that's dropping and helping, and then we got another guy that's just sitting on me, waiting, waiting for me to dribble the basketball. If I put the basketball on the floor, I can, you know, I could probably make forty-three percent of my shots if I shoot them like that. But that's not really going to do nothing for us at uh, with the outcome of the game, you know, because we got a nice floor, everybody touching the rock.
4: So, so look, he, he's just saying, like, look, look, they're running us off the three-point line. They're getting underneath me. They got. You know, whoever's guarding Draymond's always in help, and they're even helping off of other guys as well. Obviously, that changes and makes it even easier to help if uh, Looney's in the game as opposed to, to DeMarcus Cousins, who's now out for what we think is the rest of the season. Right? That's fascinating, isn't it? Gives you a better sense of like, hey, I don't know if you realize this. This is how we've been playing. Everybody touch the ball. Let's move the ball more. Win five is one. Get better shots. Less ego. And it's been working we we have this weird thing where Kevin Durant was a bad teammate at times last year. Cause he tried to break off of the offense and do his thing to own thing too much. And then when he shares the basketball and shoots a high percentage and takes good shots and lets the ball find the man, then he's a bad guy as well. Like, look, I get it. You don't, this reminds me of like high school basketball where the biggest best player is guarded by the smallest player, and it, it's an old, there's an old coaching idea in which you, uh, you you're going to play a diamond in one or triangle in two, but a diamond in one or a box in one. That's where you play a zone with four guys, and you use one guy, man to man. One guy's man to man. And what you do is you put your smallest guy, they'll have a center. Say a team has like a 6'6 center in high school, which for some high schools, that's like a giant. And you put your, your smallest guy, like a 5'8 little guard on him. And you just be, do the pest thing and let your big guys be big guys and play behind him and block his shot. And it works. And Rex Calamani the defensive coordinator, the guru, if you will, for the LA Clippers. And that appears to be on some level what he wants to do to KD. I do think there'll be a game in which they just take the reins off and like, hey, if you can shoot over him, just shoot over him. Just go for 40. Go for it. And he'll do it. But I actually think you listen to Kevin Durant and buy into the idea of playing within the confines of a system, doing what's best for the team. It's all you can ever ask for you know at the end of a game he's going to try and take over, and he was taking over before he got called for a moving screen, which, by the way, he got called for screening somebody else. But the, the the idea that the NBA is okay with a guy putting, you know, two arms around him and hugging him and playing up next to him and, you know, anytime Kevin Durant tries to create space falling down, like, that's just, that's not a good watch. That's not good basketball. It's fun for a possession or two. It's entertaining. It's not good basketball. But it also tells you what I've long said. Most most of these players are really bright. Really bright. They understand what they're seeing and and how to beat it defensively. But what a comeback the other night for the Clippers. And we'll see if they they can match the challenge again, which is the Warriors. Landry Shamit's our guest. He's a rookie for the Clippers. Of course, drafted out of Wichita State. In the first round, then traded for Tobias Harris. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb show. Um we played a clip, Landry, of Kevin Durant earlier today saying, "Hey, look, they're running us off the three point line. They put a, a you know, a gnat kind of underneath me, and then there's another guy or two guys even in a lane. And so, you know, people think I'm being passive. i'm'm uh, I'm, I'm just moving the ball to the open man. H- how accurate is his depiction of your guy's defensive? Uh, defensive game plan. Uh,
17: yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we, we want to, you know, take away their their main weapons and you know try our best to limit them and slow them down uh, as much as possible. Obviously, you know, based on our game plan, it shows you know we have a lot of respect for Kevin and and Steph and Clay and those guys and, and what they do and what they've done their whole career. So uh, we just want to you know be as physical as possible with them, uh, take them out of what they want to do uh, offensively. Um, and try to be the ones dictating, you know, on that on the defensive end.
4: What What was your reaction when you were traded from the Sixers to the Clippers? Uh,
17: I mean, initially, you know, you're you, you go through the whole spectrum of emotions. You're pissed off. Uh, you're confused. You feel like it's almost like a like a breakup. You know, like just that. You know, you don't know why you're being traded. You don't. You don't know why. You know, you, you feel like you maybe failed in your last city. Like they didn't want you. Um, you know, and it was I think I went through the kind of negatives first. Um and then once I got off the phone with, you know, Doc and then I talked to Lawrence Frank, our president, um, it, it really helped, you know, kinda of my, my psyche and how I felt about about things and then I was ready to go play at that point, just get back to basketball. So um but for a couple of days I mean it was like ups and downs and kinda of unsureties and not knowing what's what's really next, but you know, I found that I was able to settle in pretty quickly here
4: what what was it what was it that it, was there a, was there a game was there a shot was there was there a, a dinner what what made you so comfortable so quickly
17: um I think I mean just from when I first met all of us, all of our guys you know it was you know from the top down staff uh players, everybody, they said, "Look, we know what you can do. We know why you're here, so we want you to go do it and just you know do it to the best of your abilities, be a shooter, be a threat." Um, you know, do what you do. Don't be passive. Nobody here is going to get mad at you for shooting a shot. We're going to get mad at you if you don't shoot a shot. And, and that's how they've been from the jump. So I think just instilling that confidence in me, um, you know, telling me to, you know, come in and be myself from the get-go. Not wasn't a feeling out process. It wasn't, no, you know, okay, let's see what how he fits in or whatever. It was, no, come in, do what you do, um, you know, help us win games. And that was, I think, you know, that, that was the biggest thing.
4: Landry Shamman joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, you're down 31 the other night. What was going on in your mind?
17: Um, I kept going back to Boston, you know, which was my first game I played with uh, with the Clippers after the trade. Um, we were down 28 there. Um, ended up coming back in the second half and winning. And I remember literally the game. You know, it just felt identical. It was like exactly reminiscent of, of the Boston game from how I felt at halftime. Um, from like the You know, just kind of just not having an answer, really, you know, for what what they were doing. Um, And and they're scoring it well. And we couldn't really get things going offensively. You get to the locker room at halftime, you know, Doc's just telling us to stay with it, you know, stay with it. Um, And it just, you know, we have a group of guys that's not going to go anywhere, doesn't back down. Uh, You're going to continue to play regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the score. It uh, doesn't matter what it is, but that's that's who we are, um, and it, it just felt you know identical to Boston. And I I told Doc, I asked Doc at halftime, I was like, Doc, we were we we're down what like twenty eight to Boston, right? And he you know we kind of had a conversation, went back and forth, and um, felt good, you know, coming out of the out of the break.
4: And then you, you fast forward to you know Steph comes back and hits a three, and there was a couple moments where they they, they it felt like they was going to get away from you. And then you know mm-hmm. Lou Williams hits a, hits a pull up because he's Lou Williams. He's just kind of like a walking bucket, you know. And then Steph uh, comes down uh, hits three like oh well that that's the end of that. Um, have have you stopped to realize kind of the ramifications of, for example, catching hitting a three like you're? I'm playing the goal last. I was playing for Wichita State last year and Greg Marshall. Now I'm playing <laughs> against the Warriors with Steph and Clay and KD and hitting a game winning jump shot. Has that has that crept into your mind at all?
17: Um, I mean, yeah, a lot's changed obviously in the last, you know, the last year or so. Um, but you know, me personally, like I enjoyed it that night. I enjoyed it yesterday. And, you know, today we, we came in and me, I'm trying to try to move past all that. You know, it was one game. I don't care if I had, you know, zero points or a hundred points in a game winner or whatever, you know, it's, um, we're one, one, it's an even playing field. We got to try to get three more wins. So, um, it was cool. Uh, obviously, you know, you don't want to take things for granted. I enjoyed it, appreciated, you know, kind of all the love I was getting, but, uh, my mindset now is game three. Uh, we're home for two games and I'm trying to, you know, just, you know, help, help our team in whatever way possible, you know, now to, to get a couple more wins.
4: You've been obviously in two different locker rooms and the, the Sixers are, are playing in the playoffs as well. Everyone talks about the, the the kind of the culture of the Clippers and what they're building culture-wise, and it's a it's right. a great word to use, but we're not mm-hmm. there every day, right? Like, right. look, we've had yeah. Pat. We everybody knows Pat, Patrick Beverly's kind of story and and his toughness, and I think Montrezl Harrell kind of same thing, right? Just incredibly yep. tough, hardworking players. But what is it? Give me a like a real sense more than just the words culture that makes yeah. this team achieve when the thought was when they pulled off that trade, that was for the future, right? Get rid of Tobias. Cause he right. was going to leave for the future. And yet you guys have still managed to make the playoffs and now won a game. What, what specifically has, is, is this culture about?
17: I know, I know a lot of times too, you know, people will throw the word culture around just to, you know, try to describe, you know, whatever's going on with their team or whatever. It doesn't really mean anything sometimes, but I really do think we do have a, a good from top to bottom. I mean, it starts with, you know, Jerry West and and Doc and Lawrence, you know, at the top, and and trickles down into our staff and our players, and you know, there's no egos anywhere. Nobody, there's no egos. You know, we all truly want what's best for each other, whether it's training staff and and coaches communicating on how to manage somebody, or if it's you know the last guy on the bench when the first guy on the bench or first guy on the floor scores, or vice versa. You know, everybody truly. You know, wants to see each other succeed, and I think that's that's number one. That's got to be the biggest thing. There can't be any you know bitterness in a in a sport where only five guys can play on the floor at a time. You know, I think you know you find some people get envious and jealous of others, but there's there's none of that. If one if one guy doesn't have it going that night, you know the other guy does. Everybody's on board with him, and and that's just how we roll. Um, and then outside of that, everybody. Everybody on our team has kind of a chip. Nobody here has really been given a silver spoon. Uh, nobody's been, you know, A-list or an all-star or, or whatever. Um, and we all, you know, we all kind of feel that way in our own right and and have been on our own path. But um, everybody has a chip, feels like we have something to prove. And collectively, you know, we all embody that as a team. And I think it, it just bodes really well for us.
4: Uh, also part of that Never Cheated campaign, you go hashtag Never Cheated, and I, yep. I know basically means no cut, no cutting corners, no take handouts, you know, don't cheat your process. You can follow Landry right. on Twitter at Landry Shamit, on Instagram as well. Um, okay, so you, you like you, you're a Kansas City dude. You grew up yep. and you made it for yourself. What was the gym you grew up playing in? Uh, not, not cutting any corners.
17: Uh, it was either you know there was this park that was really close to uh, my house. It was called Weatherby Lake. And it was, um, they had like these lights that would stay on real late at night. And there was a way you could, they were on a timer or whatever. They would cut off at some point, but there was a way you could go and, you know, kind of finagle it a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that, but you flick them back on and, you know, keep, keep the light on a little longer uh, when it would get dark out. But when it was nice, that's where I'd be. Um, we also had this little gym called Levo. Um, and that's where I used to, you know, have practices with my AU team and where I'd be able to go and. Be able to get in whenever I wanted, which was a luxury. Uh, so those are my two kind of safe havens, I guess, places I would go all the time where I could, you know, be in my own space and work on, work on what I wanted to work on.
4: Yeah, well listen, uh my boy uh Victor Williams, I know is a Kansas City dude. He's always yeah, yeah. Re- he's always he's always re praised for your game, but to in your rookie year to shoot the ball this well in so many big situations, really remarkable stuff. Congratulations on the one win. Put a couple more together. We'll talk yep. to you soon. Thanks for joining us.
17: My man, thank you. Appreciate it. All right,
4: it's Landry Shamit joining us. Never cheated is the campaign. Hashtag never cheated. Thunder analyst Antonio Daniels joins the show. How concerned should the folks in Oklahoma City be? And if they lose in this series, like they lost early last year to Utah, will big changes be made? Find out next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific,
7: on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Ah! Ah! Seen it? Covered it. Talk to farmers. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum,
8: bum, bum. Underwritten by Farmers, Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Doug Gottlieb's Show here on
4: Fox Sports Radio. My thanks to Landry Shaman. Also to Cindy Katz, who books this show. For getting us, Landry. Great dude. Excited to see his future. And, you know, part of the part of what they've built with the Clippers, he mentioned that, you know, none of us are these super highly recruited guys. None of us, we're all fighters. It's a team of fighters. And that's their sale to to, to Kawhi Leonard. Right? Kawhi Leonard was Mr. Basketball in the state of California. Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of California. Wasn't a McDonald's All-American. Wasn't offered a scholarship by a Pac-12 school. And he's gotten better and better and better. And even though he's been regarded Uh, He's been well-regarded in the NBA and got a shoe deal, and he's been the NBA Finals MVP. There's still a, he's not, no one, people don't mention like Kawhi Leonard, top three, top four player in the league from a uh, media analyst sort of, I'm like the only one who's like, look, he's the third best player in the league. Now you might, you would probably put, I mean, I I would put Kevin Durant as the best player in the league, and um, you got Giannis as a top five player in the league. And you, I would say you have to put Harden and you'd still probably put LeBron statistically. He just doesn't move as well defensively. Maybe that's because of injury, but Kawhi's right there in the conversation. But I, I think that's their sale It's not just, Hey, look how good we are without a star player. It's, Hey, we got a guy. A lot of guys that are just like you guys that have continually gotten better junkyard dogs. If you will, uh, Antonio Danos knows what it means to be a junkyard dog. He was a JYD back in the day. Uh, playing, of course, winning championships with the San Antonio Spurs. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's an analyst for, uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. What's gone so – I mean, outside of the shooting, and it hasn't been good, what, what's <laughs> gone so wrong for the Thunder in games one and two? Well,
16: I mean, I think the shooting is a big issue. You know, when you go 10-61 to 61 from three uh, in a two-game series, you're not going to beat, let alone Portland, but anybody. But outside of that, it's just guys haven't played well individually. And I will continue to say this: experience in the playoffs matters. Terrence Ferguson doesn't have very much playoff experience, if any. Dennis Schroeder, no playoff experience. Jeremy Grant, very, very little playoff experience. So some of the guys that you are relying on, that you have relied on all year to be impactful and help this team win, they do not have playoff experience. And you started off this playoff on the road and this is the first time the Thunder have done this in a while, and we all know role players tend to play better at home. So if you start off at home court, maybe it's different. Maybe it's different. Maybe because you're in the confines of Chesapeake Energy Arena, things are a little bit different. But when you start out on the road and you haven't been there before, so you don't really know what you're walking into, now for these role players, it's a huge deal. You can can pair that along with the fact that Paul George is not 100% healthy and the shooting is huge it is huge if you look at that 10 for 61 for and in a, in a two-game series thus far if that continues the thunder won't win but i don't also i also don't anticipate that continuing
4: um russell's had a, a weird year where you know he's on one hand he's averaged triple double and that's inarguably something incredibly special on the other hand the shooting from the three-point line hasn't hasn't gotten better and the free throw free throw shooting has obviously gotten worse. Uh, And then you kind of get into a back and forth there with Damian Lillard, where, you know, I don't think Lillard does the other things that Russell does nearly as well as Russell does them, but there's such a difference as a shooter and the confidence with which he's shooting the basketball. Uh, What are your thoughts on is, is Russell right physically? Is it a mental thing? Why he's not shooting the basketball better?
16: You know, there's been – I don't know, Doug. There's been different times throughout the course of this year where he's shot the ball extremely well. He's been really efficient and um, hasn't shot a lot of three-point shots. You know, when he goes back – and to me, this is the NBA now, though. This is what the NBA has become. It's almost like when your strength is 15 to 17 feet, now the rest of the league is telling you that's not a good shot for you. So Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors, even though the Golden State Warriors have guys with the ability to do both, but they're telling you 15 to 17 feet is no longer a strength. That's a bad shot. So guys are relying on three-point shots and trying to get layups, dunks, and free throws. And the fact of the matter is sometimes that three-point shot is not everyone's strength. That's not everybody's strength. Sometimes your shot is from 15 to 17 feet. And if you go back five or six years ago – when Russell Westbrook was in his prime athletically, that 15-17 to 17 pull-up, jump, pull-up jump shot that he had was unstoppable. Completely unstoppable. So now it's kind of like as the league evolves, guys are trying to evolve with the league. Right or right or wrong, that's just reality.
4: Um, all right, so what happens if they don't turn around? I mean, last year, remember, they, were, they, they so badly wanted Paul George. He didn't play right. well in Utah, and... Um, you know, Russell took a ridiculous number of shots. But then we said, well, you know, they hadn't played together much. Now they've played together for a year, and I would agree with you. You know, you got Jamie Grant's not playing well. Well, he doesn't have playoff experience. And Ferguson's not playing well, and he doesn't. But you do have Steve Adams. You do have Paul George. You do have Russell Westbrook. And you're playing a team without Nurkic. Right. Uh, if it doesn't get better in this playoff series, what would the reaction be from the front office?
16: Man, that's a great question. That is a great question, but you would think you would think that something would change. I don't know what that change consists of, but for everything to look the same as it does this year, next year, I would highly doubt that if this team does not find its identity in these next four to five games. Because the fact of the matter is this, Doug, they got to win four in the next five, but if you go back to the regular season, they also beat Portland four times in a row. So the fact that they know that they can do that exists. And here's my thing. I honestly feel if the Thunder go back to OKC on Friday and win and on Sunday and win, that they'll win this series. But if they allow Portland to get one in Oklahoma City, it's going to be very, very difficult, almost impossible to win out.
4: Oh, no question. No question. They have to win these, two, these, these, right. uh, th- these next two games. Um, so Paul George was having this unbelievable season. And is it just injuries? Is that, is that what we're yes. going to
16: chalk this up to? Yeah, it's not. See, I think Jeff Van Gundy said it the best the other day. There's a drastic difference between a reason and an excuse. And we'll see the significance or severity of Paul George's injury when the season's over. But for him to come out certain games and put up 40 points and then he can't play again for another four or five days or touch a ball for another four or five days, that's something pretty significant. You know, you look at the Houston game where he hit the game-winning shot against James Harden and the Houston Rockets, and then he didn't touch a ball again until game one against Portland. So that tells you something's not right. And just the up and down of his play. And you look at game one where he shot 15-3. 15 threes is 15 threes game one. One of the things Paul George is really good at is the balance of understanding when to attack, when not to attack, when to shoot threes. But if your shoulder's bothering you, you're a lot less likely to attack that rim and seek contact. So post all-star break, Paul George has not been the same because he's not healthy. And I don't think that's an excuse. I just think that's a reason.
4: I tend to agree with you. Um, I, you know, like, look, when your shoulders, I mean, a shoulder thing, and and the thing about shoulders is you can be feeling fine, and then all of a sudden – you know, it can snag on you at the very wrong moment and then you're hesitant to ever look up at, at shooting the basketball. Forget about having to right. d- defend at the defensive end. W- what about Billy? Um, you know, there's always been the thought that colleges will come calling and last year they kind of doubled down on Billy when he could have walked out the door. How much of his messages are still getting through?
16: Um, I, I would think so. Honestly, I would think so. I, I think it's... um. It's very difficult to get to this point and just shut off the head coach at this point. I just don't – I don't see that happening. Um, and honestly, I feel like Billy gets a lot of uh, unjust blame because – and it's not just Billy. You can look at different coaches throughout this league. When the team is playing well, we praise the players. And when the team struggles, we criticize the coach.
11: Correct.
16: fact of the matter is, Billy Donovan is not shooting free throws. Billy Donovan is not shooting threes, nor does he come out of there with a jersey on. But all are held accountable. All are held accountable. And that's something I learned playing in San Antonio. No one's without accountability when a team struggles. So, yes, Billy carries some responsibility the same way Russell Westbrook does, Paul George, Stephen Adams, all the way down to Deontay Burton and those other guys who don't get a lot of minutes. But I honestly feel Billy has done a really good job of what he's been given. The best pure shooter that they have is gone. Alex Sabrinas has to leave the team midway through the year. The best on defender that they have hasn't played since the middle of last year in and Andre Robertson. So you're missing two significant pieces that you thought would be impactful to this year. Those guys aren't there anymore. I think Billy's done a pretty good job adjusting to what he's been given.
4: I, I tend to agree. the The only part where you would say okay, why are they shooting so many threes, right? And you're like, well, Portland wants them to shoot threes. Like, yes, why, that, would be the, that would be the only part where, where is the part where he goes like, hey, fellas, we got to stop taking them, right? Because that's what, that's what Barkley said last night.
16: Right, right. And, and, and I, I get it. I, I completely understand that. But it, it's, a, it's a situation where the Thunder have shot 35% on the year from the three point line all year long. If mm-hmm. they shoot 20% in game one, they win that game. If yes. they shoot 20%. Let alone 35. Let alone 35. And it's the difference between chucking threes and launching threes and shooting good ones. If you go back and you look at these 61 three-point shots that are taken, I will probably guarantee you there are less than 10 of them that are bad shots. That are no. really bad shots. You know what I mean? Shots in transition. Shots listen, that are contested. Listen, listen.
4: A- Antonio, you're, you're preaching the choir. I started the show saying, look, I do think water finds level. I, do, I think they're likely to win the next next two games. Um, Mm -hmm. on, on the other hand, like I am, and, and I also thought that the officiating really, uh, didn't, you know, didn't help them, especially early. You know, there's just, there's a lot of flopping in the, even my son, he's 10 years old. He's like, why do they always flop so much? It's like, man, this is right. It's just, they, the, the officials struggle to, to, to try and gain control of the series, and you end up getting, you know, Russell into foul trouble early on, and it, it dramatically changes the game. And then Lillard got ran a fever, and there's no kind of coming back, no matter how well they played late in the game. That said, I just, you do get to point out you have no margin for error, is even you pointed out. Agreed. You go down three games to one, you got to go back to Portland a couple times. It does not bode well for your playoff future.
16: I could not agree with you more. That's why these next two games in Oklahoma City are must win games are must-win games. I-, I love the fact after game two last night, Russell Westbrook took complete accountability and responsibility for the way he played yesterday. He mm-hmm. called it unacceptable. He says, you know what, I can't play like that and expect, to- expect us to win. The way I played yesterday was unacceptable, and I will be better moving forward. So my interest, especially if Paul George is healthy and didn't have any carryover from yesterday's game as far as his shoulder is concerned, and now Russell Westbrook being down 0-2 understands the severity and urgency of the situation, I'm interested to see what team takes this floor on Friday at home in OKC.
4: Me too. Antonio, great stuff. Awesome energy. Enjoy the, the series this weekend. Thanks for joining us. For sure.
16: Appreciate you, Doug.
4: All right, my my thanks to Antonio Daniels, who covers the Oklahoma City Thunder, for a living. The Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you'd treat you. Let me get you to Isaac Lowenkron. Ike, what do you got?
13: Doug, today a judge in Florida temporarily blocked the release of video evidence in the solicitation of prostitution case against New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft. Here was one of Kraft's defense attorneys during today's hearing. It's already been addressed. Oops, wrong button. Let me try this one. Here we go. The fundamental
10: problem
14: is that the video, to our view, uh, is only going to appeal to prurient interest of, of a certain segment of the population.
13: The next hearing on the matter will take place on April the 29th. So the full complete NFL schedule is going to be released about two and a half hours from now. But a lot of the key matchups have already been reported. And good news if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns because they're making a triumphant return to primetime this season. More on that in just a moment. But first, week one, Sunday Night Football, the Patriots will open up at home against the Steelers in the season premiere of Monday Night Football football to conclude week 1. The Raiders host the Denver Broncos. Then on Monday Night Football in week 2, the Browns will visit the Jets, and on Sunday Night Football in week 3, it'll be the Browns hosting the NFC champion Rams, and it'll be the first time that the Browns have been on Sunday Night Football since 2008. Speaking of football, the Alliance of of American Football filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy protection today in the Western District of Texas. According to court filings, they had assets of $11 million. Not bad until you find out that they had liabilities of $48 million. Finally, in the NHL, the Boston Bruins take on the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 4 at 7 Eastern in tonight's Discover Card key matchup. Discover alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. It's free for card members. Just sign up online at discover.com/slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Back to Doug Gottlieb in ten seconds, but first, a word from Farmers.
7: At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone.
8: Seen it? Covered it. Talk to farmers. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
4: Do you guys see Chris Sale's numbers? Yeah, not good. He got lit up again yesterday. He's 0-4 with a, a ERA over 8. 8.50, I believe, is his ERA. Uh, he lost to the Yankees. Of course, Red Sox-Yankees have played each other roughly 30 times. Here's Chris Sale, the former Cy Young Award winner, on his start
17: to the season. It sucks. Like I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I just flat-out stink right now. I don't know what it is. I mean, when you're going good, it's good. When you're going bad, it's Pretty bad, so I gotta find a way to pitch better. I mean, this is, this is flat out embarrassing for my family, for my team, for our fans. This is this is about as bad as it gets. I, don't know, I like I said, I just gotta, I have to pitch better.
1: Alex told us that you thought your next start might look like the real sale based on your
9: stuff tonight. Do you share that confidence?
8: Well, you better hope so.
4: <laughs> I mean, look, I love the honesty to it, and remember, this here's a. Here's, here's a guy who's ERA. like look, here's Chris Sales ERA since he's become uh, a guy throwing, you know, 190, 175-plus innings. 3.05 ERA in 2012, 3.07, 2.17, 3.14, 3.34, 2.90. Last year he did have some arm issues, so he only started 27 games, but a 2, 2, 2.11 ERA. The guy's awesome. Led the league in strikeouts twice. Little leagues and in innings pitched. Once we do see some of the stuff where guys pitch in a bunch in the postseason, and you know, Kenley Jansen last year, Kenley Jansen last year. How much did he struggle out of the gate? It's usually more closers because, and they have you know dead arms, if you will. So there's there's only one way to describe a guy who is for his life has an ERA right about three. And the last three years in Boston is at an ERA below three. That's just baseball. Why do they play 162 games? Because four games, too small sample size. When it's going good, it's good. And when it's not, it's not. You're like, that is not exactly profound. No, but that's baseball. That is baseball. And, The other part, crazy part about Chris Sale is he's only, only making $15 million this year. Whereas you would thought as the contract starts to spike, you're like, it's a crazy amount. And he's like, no. Only $15 million. But my guess is a lefty who's going to throw over 200 innings, if there's no arm issues, and he started to show his top level stuff, this is probably like a Shaquille O'Neal where he wasn't ready to start the year, but he'll round himself into shape. And there's a little bit of, you know, things that go bump in the night. When it's going bad, it goes bad. When it's going good, it's going to go good. That's, that's baseball. Don't you wish there were just things like that in life? Why'd you get that parking ticket? Honey, that's baseball. No, you, you didn't pay for parking. No, no, no. That's baseball. It just happens. When it goes good, it goes good. When it goes bad, it goes bad. Coming up next, apology not accepted. I'll explain next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
7: At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it? Covered it. Talk to farmers.
8: We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
4: Every day this time of the Doug Gottlieb Show, we like to get you caught up on all the stories of the day. Stories of the day, we call it the press. <laughs> The Press.
13: Isaac Lowencron. go! Doug, some fireworks in the Nets 76ers playoff series. It started in Game 2. Joel Embiid getting a flagrant foul for elbowing Jared Allen. Embiid apologized after the game during the post-game press conference, but that was the problem because today Nets guard Karis Levert took exception to Embiid's apology, saying, We didn't really like that. We thought that was kind of disrespectful. There's no love lost. It's a playoff series. We expect that. Now, for the record, here is the apology, air quotes perhaps, by Joel Embiid the other night after Game 2. Ben, there was a moment
11: there in the second half where you got a steal.
13: Oh, I beg your pardon. That was the wrong one. Let me find it. Here it is.
17: Here is Joel Embiid. (laughs) I wasn't surprised. I saw the replay. Obviously, it wasn't intentional, uh, and uh, I got him pretty good, and I'm sorry about it, uh, but... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry about it. It wasn't intentional, Uh, but it's just me trying to be aggressive. Uh, I'm not usually humble. That's why he's laughing. But, uh, yeah, I was just trying to be aggressive.
13: Joel Embiid, a more sincere apology you'll be hard-pressed to find. Yeah, you can't laugh me an apology. But, like, look, you you, you just – I
4: understand the flaws of the Embiid thing, right? Like, he didn't play big-time basketball growing up. There's some good, some bad. He didn't grow up in the States, so his silliness, like you're supposed to be somber in apology. Um, But laughing mid-apology, I think most people should know, is not exactly the way that you should handle it. I understand he was probably laughing about somebody making a face towards him, but you got to be able to keep it in a little better.
13: Excuse me? Also kind of a risk when you have a teammate alongside you at the podium. If it's just you up there, you're going to be serious, maybe a little more professional, but if you have a teammate – cracking up off to the side of you it's kind of hard to hold it together and you wind up breaking character like they do sometimes on Saturday Night Live. Meanwhile in the NFL Joe Flacco now of the Broncos says it's out of his control if Denver winds up picking a quarterback in the first round. The Broncos are set to pick at number 10 in this year's draft and Flacco told reporters this week quote It's completely out of my control. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to compete, and he's going to have to come out here and be on the field with me every day too. So I'm all ready for that, unquote. Now, The Athletic reported that the Broncos will be meeting, among others, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones on pre-draft visits.
15: I heard
4: Daniel Jones is the hardest one for anybody to pin down. Like, looks the part, plays for the same coach uh, that coached – Uh, Peyton Manning in college and Eli Manning in college as well. Played at Duke. He's a smart kid, but like, you know, you have people that, if you ask them, they'll be like, yeah, but he can't play in the NFL. Like, literally can't play in the NFL at all. And you have other people who say, look, he checks almost every box. Great
13: athlete, smart, can really throw looks the part. So we'll see.
4: Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco.
13: Another sad chapter occurred today in the demise of the Alliance of American Football when the AAF filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy at a Texas court. As part of their bankruptcy filing, they said they had $11 million in assets, but over $48 million in liabilities. We actually have audio of the bankruptcy filing. You just heard it there. No, I mean, look,
4: I know no one wants to hear this, whether it's about, like, there's there's some fight for women's sports to get, you know, why can't they make more money? Because, like, there isn't more money to be made. Why can't they make more money from the, because things are expensive. Like you have to pay, you realize you got to pay to rent the stadium. You got to pay all those people that work there. And we just, we operate on this. We see the numbers that pro athletes get. Like, don't you realize that these sports and those leagues have been around for 50, 60, 70, they're just celebrating the hundred year of football. Football didn't start to make money until like 30 years ago, like real money. Seventy years, they didn't start to make money until they till till year uh, till year seventy. Yep. So, um, I just I think people are compl- and and now things are increasingly expensive. Th- this I think this is the the shock that people need to get about minor league sports throughout the sports world.
13: Yeah. Struggling. Reminds me of the days of the old Portsmouth Spartans in the NFL. And, uh, you know, they were talking about folding the Green Bay Packers before Lombardi get there. Lombardi got there. And heck, within the last, what, 15 or 20 years, they were talking about contraction in Major League Baseball or combining like the Marlins and then the Expos. Finally, earlier today, Cowboys executive VP Stephen Jones said they would obviously pick up Ezekiel Elliott's fifth-year option. So he is Automatically under contract for a fifth year with the Cowboys. Not really a surprise, but there you go. No, and then of course they could franchise tag him as well.
5: Mm-hmm. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press.
4: All right, we got some games tonight, don't we? In the Association, um, in the NBA tonight, you got Pacers, Celtics. Everybody expects the Pacers and the 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 Bucks versus the Pistons and the Rockets versus the Jazz. We'll be interesting to see if the Jazz could potentially steal one. I don't see one. Bucks Pistons with no Blake Griffin. That doesn't even seem to be competitive. And water usually it found its level in most, most of those playoff series. Toronto just putting a beat down. The thing is, the Russell Westbrook deal, the non-shooting point guards, I saw somebody related to the White Rhino, right? Just disappearing. You got to have everything right in order to make it work that way. That's the way the sport is trending. Get you ready for the NFL Draft with Joel Klatt. He'll join us tomorrow. Who does he think should go number one overall? And where should Josh Rosen play if that happens? That's tomorrow on the Doug Gottlieb Show. At
3: Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.